Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. Ephesians 4, Colossians 1, and Philippians 1. I'm going to talk to you this morning about being called by God. My hope is kind of a broad view on discovering God's will for your life and destiny and future, decision-making processes, things of that nature. And uh, so let's look at that. Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk worthy in the, in, of, the, of the calling to which you have been called. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Here we're seeing that again. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Philippians 1.27, I'm just going to read the first part there. Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of of Christ. You know, the, we've always, I've always kind of stuck with doing series and, uh, for, for many years now. You know, during this last, the season, these last few weeks, I've just really wanted just to speak maybe individual messages of what God is speaking to my heart, maybe speaking to your heart, maybe some confirm some things with you. And so we, you know, later on, you know, September, October, we may jump back into some series, but uh, this morning really kind of birthed out of uh, something we traveled as a family even recently. We know that we're in a unique season. We know that we're facing unique challenges, and uh, it's, it's interesting to say the least, but one of the things that impacted our family was Shaylee going to college. She had decided to go to uh, New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, and so that's where we're looking. She was looking to go to college, but as it draw nearer, closer to that time for her to go, um, she really began to question, wondering if it was really time for her to go. And so she even came to us, and even she said, "Dad, I need you to tell me what to do." And I told her, "I said, baby, welcome to the adulting world. It's time you learn, you know, how to make decisions on your own. I mean, you're 18, going on 19." You need to find this out for yourself. We'll support you no matter what you do. And it wasn't a, a, a fear of the virus or COVID or anything like that. But there's going to be some unique challenges in quarantining. Um, we're going to have to quarantine for two weeks when she went. She wasn't going to be able to come home on weekends or special days or anything like that. And so there was a lot going on. But ultimately, she decided to wait. We found out that her scholarship, she had to go to school could stay in place for another semester, and so she really felt the wise thing to do was to stay now and to go later, and we 100% supported that. But I don't know if you've ever found yourself at a place where it was difficult to make a decision, wondering what you were supposed to do. Maybe it was a job, maybe it was direction, a decision, whatever it may be. And this morning, I want to share with you uh, some principles that will kind of hopefully help you towards that. Now, I didn't want you to feel like this morning was kind of a, a bait and switch. You, you, I could feel that way. So right up front, I wanted to give you some very practical, biblical things on, uh, on making um, decisions. And I'm going to tell you the, the impractical way to make a decision. 
I remember it was years ago. Matter of fact, we were youth pastors. We were just barely married about a month. Uh, we were youth pastors here in Odessa at Open Door, and uh, a, a door opened <laughs> for a transition in Amarillo. And so uh, we were praying about that and wondering if that's the direction that we should go. And I'm going to tell you, you ever, watch, you ever watch those TV shows that tell you, you know, don't, don't do this at home? Anybody ever see it? They do that for me because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try the stun or do it or whatever. But uh, so I'm telling you, don't, this is not the way to do it. This is the impractical way of decision-making process. But I was there one day. We were fixing to go to church that Sunday night, and I had a deck of cards in front of me. And um, uh, I said, Lord, if we're supposed to go, and I was half joking, right? I mean, but I thought, well, just maybe God might speak to me. But I was, I was, I was just kind of messing around, and, and I don't remember exactly what the, it, what the cards were, but I said, God, if we're supposed to go to Amarillo, let it be an ace of spades. And I turned over a card, and it was the ace of spades. I thought, okay, all right, if we're supposed to go to Amarillo, then let it be the, the, uh, the, the two of clubs. And I turned over a card, and it was the two of clubs. And I'm starting to think, well, maybe I should have went to Vegas instead. You know, I'm not condoning that. And so I put the cards back together, and I said, okay, if we're supposed to go to Amarillo, you know, let it be the, you know, Ten of Diamonds, whatever. And I turned it over, and it was the Ten of Diamonds. I, I mean, I'm not even joking. I'm being absolutely serious. This happened. And I mean, then I started kind of freaking out. I was like, okay, this is, this is weird. And said, okay, if we're supposed to stay, I put the cards back together. If we're supposed to stay, let it be the queen of hearts. And I flipped it over and it's the queen of hearts. And I said, okay, I I get the joke now, God. Um, But the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, you need to listen to my spirit. You need to listen to what I'm going to witness inside of your heart. And I want to say again, that is not the way to find God's will for your life. Okay? Right? Don't go home and start doing that kind of stuff. But, and so I, I, hopefully I can kind of share maybe with some practical things with you to help you to get in the right direction. And there is no doubt that there are, there, there are decisions that we make every day that really don't matter a whole lot. But there are life-changing decisions and directions that we make. And so here's some very practical things. These are eight things. These eight things, I'm going to share them really quick, so don't worry. Here are the eight things are not in your notes. I encourage you to write them down if you would like to. These eight things are a combination of a sermon I heard 20 years ago from Rick Warren and my mom's influence on my life. So you're about to get some tag team preaching from my mom and Rick Warren. Are you ready? So number one is this. Pray for guidance. Pray Ask God what you're supposed to do. I, I know that sounds really simple, right? But I cannot tell you how many phone calls that I've had that somebody's called me wanting help with a decision, and then I ask, but ha- have you prayed about it? Have you asked God? And it be crickets on the other end. Ask God first. Pray for guidance. Number two, get the facts. It's okay to get the practical facts that are involved in your decision-making process. It's okay to make the list on one side you know, for it and one side against it and to look at those and to get the facts. Um, wait until you are well-rested. Do not make a decision when you're exhausted. That, that's, a good, that's really good practical advice. Wait till you're rested. Don't be, here's the next one, number four, don't be hangry. Does anybody know what hangry is? I tend to get hangry. Hangry is angry and hungry put together if you didn't know. I, you know, 
in the decision-making process, I would encourage fasting and prayer. So that's why I didn't put hungry there. What I'm trying to emphasize is, you know, the attitude of your heart. The attitude of your heart. Number, number five, ask for advice. Yes, after you've prayed and asked God, ask people who've gone, drought, driven the trail before you, the trailblazers before you. Find people who know maybe the situation you're in and ask for that advice. Also, calculate the cost. Big decisions you make in life, there will be a cost. There will be a give and take. And you make sure you know those as the best you, I mean, times you'll still be blindsided, which means, lends me the next one, is prepare for problems. Whenever you, I mean, we all know this by now, right? Life is full, yay, of problems. I mean, we face them all the time. What surprises me is when we're surprised when we're blindsided by a problem. There's going to be problems. Try to prepare for that. And the last thing would be this. Number eight is to face your fears. Don't let fear hold you back. If God is leading you forward and moving you forward, do not let fear of the unknown hold you back. Do not let fear of failure hold you back. Do not let insecurities hold you back. Trust that God got you, has you. And so here's kind of what I really want to dig into I mean, so there's the practical side of things that, uh, that we see from Scripture. I mean, if you want to know about making a plan with a vision, then read Nehemiah. That Nehemiah's essence is just that it's the unveiling of Nehemiah. Something grabbed his heart. He had a vision to do something, but he did all the homework that was involved in to get that done. And so even though that sounds practical, that's a very st- it's still a spiritual roots in those eight things. But here's one thing I want to remind you of, is that when you're, when you're looking at life, I mean, so many times we, we struggle with calling or destiny or, or, or making plans. Listen to me. Number one is this. We are called out before we are called to do. We are called out before we are called to do. We are called out before we are called to do. You have been called out. What do I mean by that? First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Listen. But you are a chosen race. Everybody say chosen race. A royal priesthood. Everyone say royal priesthood. A holy nation. Everyone say holy nation. A people for his own possession. And that's one of the keys right here. But it goes on to say that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who what? What does it say? Look on the screen. Who what? Called. Say it again. Who called. Let's all say it together. Who called you out of what? Darkness. You have been called out before you've been called to do. And what I'm trying to emphasize to you is there's too many people that have stayed too close where they got in at, and it's time to grow. It's time to change. It's time for things to shift in your life. And to remember, where sometimes we try to get ahead of God and what He's working on us, but we can never forget the first thing He's called us is out of the sinful lifestyle, is out of the past. He's called you out before He's called you to do. I mean, a chosen race, that chosen generation, we have been given a spiritual rebirth that makes our patriarch Father God. I mean, how wonderful is that? He's called us out. A royal priesthood. I want to remind you of something. We don't live according to to the the Old Testament of the Levitical law and 
Levites and priests and, and temples and things of that nature, the New Testament tells us that you have been bought with a price, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go into a room and confess our sin. The Bible says that we come boldly to the throne of grace and make our requests be made known to God. We, can, we have access straight to God because we have been made a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. 2 Corinthians 5.18, I love this verse, this passage. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He made us a holy nation. Listen, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I mean, really, right here, I could interject that you have been first called out of darkness. The second calling God has given you is that of reconciliation. We are to be a group of people that are used of God to call others out of darkness into our holy nation. We have the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, listen, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. But the, here's the key. This is the last one of that passage, is that we are his own possession. God has called you out of that mess to be his. Your first calling is to be his. Your first calling is not your job description. Your first calling is not some ministry where you would volunteer. Your first ministry is called unto Him, is being called unto God, is being faithful to Him. I mean, the Bible says, see, calling is as much as who you're becoming is as what you're doing. When we accept this call of God working in us, it's, 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 it's also important to know who we are becoming. What are, we, what are we first supposed to become? His possession. His is what we become first. And then the do comes later. 2 Timothy 1.9, I love this. Who saved us to be called to a holy calling. To a holy calling. It doesn't say there who saved us and called us to be a missionary to Africa. It doesn't say there who saved us and called us to be uh, to have a bus ministry. It doesn't say there who saved us and called us to have a bus ministry in Africa. He might, but that's not what this says. He says a holy calling. And what holy means right there, a holy calling is a calling that sets us Apart, You have been first called to come out of the darkness and to be His. His possession. We are first His. We are set apart. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Powerful scripture, right? Many of us are familiar with that verse. And then we get to verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Listen, and then it gives us a little hint here. The same thing we're talking about, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
If you want to know God's will for your life, the first thing you do is be conformed into his image. You're his possession. You're his. It's far less about than what you do. We are not to look like the world. We, the church, I'm not talking about in here, this room or this building. I mean us, the church of God. We are not to look like the world. We are not to act like the world. We're not to think like the world. We are not conforming to the world's pattern. We're being transformed into a new kingdom. A new kingdom way of thinking. We don't respond like the world. We don't believe like the world. We're not driven by the same things that drive the world. We are not conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. If there has not been change in your habits and lifestyle, it's time to move past where you got in and to draw closer to Jesus. Because growing people change. If you're going to mature in God, there's always going to be change in your life. My life, my attitudes, my perceptions are still being molded by the Spirit of God. It doesn't say what he's called us to as in a vocation, but what it does say is he's called us into a way of living into a way of living called to holiness. That's not a word that we really hear too often or in any kind of positive connotation. Some of you that have been in church for a long time, the, uh, the, the traditions of a, a, a lot of churches are, have, maybe have, bring bad memories to us. And, and a lot of us remember a lot of the, it was don't, 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 don't. But I'm going to tell you something. In case you don't know, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, and I meant to share this this morning, but I didn't, but I kind of wanted to park here just for a moment, is you need to know you as a believer, you are still going to be judged. When it comes to that time, we're, we're, we're still going to stand, yeah, our names may be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we're... I mean, our place in heaven and eternity is secure, but our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions are still going to go through a judgment according to Scripture, and those thoughts, attitudes, and actions, they're either going to be burned up as wood, hand stubble, or they're going to be turned into something precious. What's the importance of that being precious? Because that's what's going to show Jesus his worth to us. We're going to cast every crown at his feet. And declare him as king of kings and the Lord of lords. Growing people change. Yes, we all change at different rates. We all shift and, and grow at different speeds. Absolutely. But listen to me. You have been called. Some of you are locked into the same patterns and lifestyle. After you confess Jesus as Lord as before you did. It's time to change. It's time to change. You know, I remember I had a, a really, really bad experience with uh, early on in ministry. I wasn't married yet. I got really hurt in a church. And I'm going to tell you something else. This is, this is for free. This is worth your price of admission right here. Is that you're going to get hurt in church. You can't be around people and not get hurt. Listen, me, me and Angela, we're going to, here in just a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate our 20 Second wedding anniversary. Isn't that crazy? I, 
I say that like that because I'm like, really? That, I mean, like it doesn't seem that, I mean, I've been married now longer than when I was in school. I mean, it's a crazy thought. And you know what? In that 20, almost 22 years, you know what? Angela has hurt me. Thank you. Somebody's sympathy right here. Oh, somebody's hanging with me. Thank you. You know, and I, I would imagine if the Lord tarries and we're, ma- we're married another 22 plus years, she's going to do it again. So just pray for me. But I'm going to tell you something. Do you know how you stay married for 22 years? You stay married. Through all the ups and downs, the rocky patches, the fights. We're still married. I totally lost my train of thought, and so that one's for free too. And so I got really hurt at this church, and I asked my, called my mom. I was like, Mom, what am I going to do? How, what, what am I supposed to do? Because I was very disillusioned and going with a lot of confusion, and she said, you're going to stay faithful. She said, you're going to find a church. You're going to jump right back in. You're going to serve a church. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna worship God. You're going to love the Lord. You're going to go after God. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Okay, that's what I'll do. And so that's what I did. And for a season, I, you know, I took a secular job. And, and uh, I was you know, working. And, and I, found, I plugged back into my home church. And I served as faithfully and the, and the best that I could. But listen to me. So many times we make what we do our identity. And our identity is supposed to be found in who he is. And I, you know, I'm not one of those that I, you know, I know I have friends that are all, you know, very. And I don't say that facetious. I mean, they're they they have spiritual dreams. I do not. I mean, I dream about hunting and fishing. I mean, you know, that kind of you know, torches, tacos. That's what I dream about. I don't really have spiritually significant dreams. But when I was in the season of my life, I don't remember how long into it I was, but I did. I had a, I had a dream, and, and it, was, it was completely dark, and this voice spoke out of the darkness. And I remember that voice because it was the same voice that when I came to God and I was getting around with the God, and when he spoke to me, it was that same exact voice. And he posed three questions to me, and he said, you can, he said, I'll bless you. He said, you, you can choose one of three things. I'll bless you where you are a great orator, where you, you preach. With the, with the best of them and, and can communicate greatly. And he gave a second option was that I would be a great leader and that I could lead people and people would be attracted to my leadership. And he gave a third option. Obviously, you already know that I picked the last one, right? And so the last option was this. He said, or you can have me. And I knew. I knew what the answer was. And I said, Lord, I want you the next day, the next day I'm at work, they come in the intercom, somebody had called work asking for me, and I go over the phone, I pick up the phone, and I said, hello, and a, a man was on the other line, another, a pastor, and he said, listen, I heard about you, and I want you to come be my youth pastor. And see, the, the moral of the story, the account, is not about the phone call, it's about God's call. See, I understood what the number one calling was. I mean, some, I do get some things right. I get a lot of things wrong, but sometimes I get it right, and I got that one right. And I want you to know 
If you want to know the next step in life, let it be towards him. Number two is this. So number one is, um, uh, number one is uh, we are called out before we're called to. Number two is this. I only have a two-point sermon this morning for you. Number two is you're not called to be important. You're called to be faithful. You're not called to be important. You're called to be faithful. Listen, God needs our obedience. And the number one thing he looks for us is faithfulness to him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in everything that we do, what are we doing? We're doing in the name of the Lord. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. And this is one that I do well, and so I wanted to add it. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you eat or drink, all you do, do the glory of God. That was an easy one, right? Yes, we can do that. But it's more than that. It's whatever you are doing that you are faithful. There's so many times in life, and I know for those, some that are called to ministry, and even some that have come through our church that are now in ministry in other places, you know, they, sometimes we desire that, you know, to be up on the platform or that place in the spotlight. But I'm going to tell you something. There was a road traveled before I stand before you right now. And in, in that road of my life, there, I mean, I learned all, all of my skills, a lot of my skills that I know I learned after full-time ministry. I learned how to sheetrock because I learned that uh, sometimes you, you got to do what you got to do to feed your family. Because, see, I've also been called to be a father and a husband. And so I learned to sheetrock so I could feed my family. I learned to drive heavy equipment so I could feed my family. I, I learned how to plumb. I learned how to do so many other things after the fact. And I, I'm, I'll be absolutely honest. Were there times in the middle of those seasons where I thought, why? This is not what I'm made for. But gratefully and thankfully, my mother instilled something in me when I was very young that whatever I did to do it as unto the Lord. Thank you, Mom, for making me clean my room for the glory of God. But sometimes it takes so simple things that when you're in the middle of the big battle, you can remember and draw on that. God is not looking for extraordinary people, but ordinary people that he'll use for extraordinary things. Listen to me. The size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. I want to say that again. The size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. The size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. You know, last night, I don't say this for any, you know, I'm not like patting myself on the back, whatever. I mean, it's just the weekly thing here, you know. I mean, it's just what we got to do. But, you know, last night I was up here. We had a toilet that's been broken for a couple of weeks in the men's room. And so, you know, I'm in here and I'm, I'm fixing the toilet. I fix the toilet for the glory of God. And so, men, when you're in there in the restroom, just know. That when I was fixing that toilet, I was praying for you. I was praying for you. Lord, when they flush it, let it work. 
Here's the thing, is that one thing is for sure, you were to do more than just attend and to watch. God has called you to serve somewhere. We were in a place for... We were in Amarillo, and God was uh, leading change in our life. We, remember, I, you know, I told you earlier, I used the deck of cards. And, but we did end up going to Amarillo and served three years there as associate pastor. And in that third year there, the God really began to deal with us about a shift and a change in our life. And so we started praying about open doors and asking God for guidance. And the Lord started drawing us to a church. And so at 27 years old, I started looking, we started looking at a church to pastor and uh, now I look back and I think, what was I thinking? And uh, uh, man, I, I thought I knew so much, but how I, little I knew. But at the moment of making that decision, there were two other things dropped. I mean, it, it was like in the same week, it was like we were about to make this decision. And it was like, bam, two other doors opened up. Has anybody ever had that happen? And so uh, these doors that opened up, one, the district called us and asked us if we were interested in being the district Alpha coordinators. I mean, this is in 2004. And then right after that, we get another phone call from a pastor in Las Cruces at a, at a fairly large church to come be his youth pastors. And so all of a sudden, right when we thought we knew what we were going to do, we had three opportunities right in front of us. And so, you know what, we did our homework. We went, we walked, we prayer walked and went around Texas Tech. That's where we're going to be based of uh, for Chi Alpha. And, and um, we really didn't have a draw back in youth ministry, but we, we prayed about it. But we felt the Lord leading us to this smaller town, and we became their pastors. And it was not an easy experience. And there were things I loved about it, good memories, and there were things that were pretty rough. But I'm going to tell you, we left there. We went there in 2001. We left there in 2004. And when I left in 2004, I said, I'll never pastor again. It's like, nuh-uh. I mean, <laughs> uh-uh. There are so many things you can do for church without doing that. And so we became missionaries, and, and God led us on an awesome path. But I'm going to tell you, over from 2004 to 2013, I thought that season of our life, we had missed God. I really did. And through the years, I thought, man, just to be in youth ministry again, or man, to, you know, to... to, to be involved in Calpha and, 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 you know, and so for, from 2004 to 2013, I felt like I had missed God. And I want to tell you something. In September of 2013, I was standing right here. It was the first Sunday in September of 2013. And I will never forget that moment because I stood here. I realized something. Is that I hadn't missed God. I was exactly where he was when he wanted me to be there. And I'm going to tell you what, what we have been able to accomplish and, and work together in this church would have never have happened if I'm not at 27 years old I had a pastorate that I didn't enjoy that much. It's not always going to be easy. And here's what I think. I think there's some in this room right now that you feel like in some area of your life that you miss God. And I believe this with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit has given me a prophetic call to you, a prophetic word to you to say that you have not missed God because God is too big 
to miss. God wants you and his will more than you want his will. God's got you. His hand is upon you. And yeah, maybe, 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 maybe you did make a mistake. Maybe you made a wrong decision. But I also want to remind you this, that what something our God is really good at is redemption. And God can redeem any decision. God can redeem any mistake. God can redeem any miscourse, any exit. God can use it for His glory. But the key is, is that you become His, fully and wholly before your identity is found in what you do. In what you do. And so if you are battling with a decision in your life, I'm going to tell you, yeah, those eight things I talked about, those are good things. Those are practical things. I'm going to give you a very important key. It's Jesus. You see, when you read that scripture in John 15 where it says that he is the vine and we are the branches. That's a power. There's so much packed into that John 15. But listen to me. Sometimes I think we need to remember that he is the vine and we are the branches. Without him, that scripture says, we can accomplish nothing. But if we remain in him, what does it say? We'll bear much fruit. You're looking for the next step in your life. And yeah, there's all the practical things you can do, but I'm going to tell you the key thing you need to do is spend quantity time with Jesus. I didn't say quality. I didn't say quality. Quality's good. Well, I mean, we need that focused, you know, time with the Lord, but I'm going to tell you, we need to spend quantity time. God's getting the short end of the stick in our personal devotion. And the reason why we are having such a difficult time making decisions or a difficult time in life is because somewhere we've got it switched and we think we're the vine and he's the branch. But we're his possession. We're his. We're his. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.